Welcome to Tomorrow's Med Student. On this podcast, we talk to medical school admission tutors, medical students and doctors to help give you more of an insight into the application process, life as a medical student and life as a doctor. I'm Amrit, a junior doctor in the UK, and today we're talking to Yusuf Hashmin. He's currently intercalating, so that's when you do an additional degree while you're at medical school, and he's doing a master's in trauma science. We had a really great chat, and Yusuf shared a lot of insight into his time at Birmingham Med School and how to best prepare your applications to med school. He also sat on the interview panel at Birmingham Medical School last year, and he shared his experiences about during the interview. So let's get to it. Yusuf, thanks so much for agreeing to come on the podcast. The first question I like to ask is a bit of an icebreaker, and it's if you could invite any two people to dinner, dead or alive, who would they be and why? To be honest, I think I've got one kind of interesting one, and the other one, I think anyone who knows me will be like, oh, of course. So the first one I've gone for is the um, is uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. In my opinion, definitely the best footballer on the planet, and he's just an all-round athlete. I think it'd be great to um, uh, have him to dinner. Um, uh, prop, maybe have a kick about in the garden. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, um, it's also for anyone who knows me, it's going to be um, actually the music artist, The Weekend. I don't know if you've heard of him. Yeah, I know The Weekend. Yeah, uh, no, I'm absolutely obsessed with him. Like, I've got all his albums on CD, on vinyl. I've got, I've got his clo- like a merchandise. Like, I'm probably, I'm a massive Weekend fan. So uh, I think um, if if I didn't include him in the list, it would be, uh, you know, it just wouldn't be me. Fair enough. Yeah, and then uh, the the other person actually I think will be um a little bit more interesting. So it's actually um uh, Satoshi Nakamoto. Now um this guy he's actually or girl we don't know he's actually the um the creator of um Bitcoin the cryptocurrency. So um yeah. I've got I've gotten really interested into um this whole like uh, cryptocurrency virtual currencies and whatnot and i just think it's um incredible for for those who don't know so um so the the person who created bitcoin um it's a pseudonym no one knows who it is just one day he made this code and fast forward 10 15 years later it's worth trillions and i think that's just like incredible there's a billionaire somewhere out there in the world and no one knows who he is i just think that's crazy and it'd be great to find out who he is and just talk to talk to him for a bit yeah, it would be really interesting to talk to him actually and to also understand how he or she feels about what's happened to Bitcoin, what it's been used for in the past, how it's being used now. Exactly. Uh, it'd be really interesting to know whether this is what they intended or if... Um... Yeah, I think they, they, they're genuinely a genius because um, the publication that they wrote 10, 15 years ago, they've, they've predicted everything. They've predicted exactly what's going on now. They've predicted what's going to be happening in five, 10 years time. So I think just having that foresight, being so ahead of the game, so ahead of their time, is just incredible. Yeah, that's, immense. that's amazing, isn't it? Um, Right, on to the to the meat of it. So tell us a little bit about yourself. So where's home? Where are you studying at the moment? Okay, yeah, sure. So um, yeah, so uh, as you mentioned, my name's Yusuf and um, I'm currently a senior medical student in my, um, between my fourth and fifth, uh, fifth year of medicine, but we say, I, I like to say I'm just a fifth year medical student. And um, I've been born and bred in Birmingham, um, currently attend Birmingham um, Medical School. And uh, yeah, like I said, I've, I've lived here my entire life. Um, <laughs> the, the city hasn't got rid of me just yet. And um, yeah, I think, I, I think it's just a great city. And we're going to, I think throughout this podcast, I'll talk more about like the medical school and whatnot. But yeah, home for me is um, Midlands, West Midlands, Birmingham. 
So that's an interesting decision to stay in the same place you grew up for medical school. Was that a conscious decision? Well, so it, I'd say, it, well, obviously, it was my decision. But I think in some ways, the decision was almost made um, somewhat for me. So I'll expand on that. So essentially, my story is... Um, uh, so as a 17, 18 year old um, applying to medicine, um, I, I was making a list of where I wanted to go, where like would I want to stay in the same city? Did I want to leave? And um, from what I remember at that time, I, I think I actually wanted to leave. I thought it'd be nice to get some, you know, more independence, um, experience a new city, experience, you know, like new cultures, meet new people, um, live somewhere else. So um, I ended up applying to um, three uh, three other unis, but I applied to Birmingham as well, just because, um, you know, it's a great medical school. And I thought, you know, like staying at home, there's obviously a lot of perks, so uh, I'll apply there too. And then um, when it came down to it, so um, uh, I'm not sure how much your listeners know about the medical application process, but obviously you have uh, various um, entrance exams. So you can have, uh, so there's the UKCAT, I believe now it's called the UCAT, and then you have the BMAT. So these um, aptitude tests essentially test different um, qualities of you. So they might be um, testing your maths, testing um, your pattern recognition, testing, um, uh, I think in the BMAT there's an essay section. So it's, it's really like an entrance exam for the medical schools to try and differentiate between candidates. So some medical schools are BMAT, some medical schools um, focus on the UK CAT. So um, when I did my UK CAT, um, I'm pleased to say I actually did very, very well. So I was, um, uh, I think, um, I, I, I did maybe the second best, uh, third best in my um, school. So I was, I was really happy. And I, I think I actually got a little bit too confident. So I thought, you know what, if I've done well in the UK CAT, maybe I'll probably do well in the BMAT too and then um, in my opinion I think I got very complacent I don't think I revised for it effective, effectively and I, uh, unsurprisingly I ended up failing the BMAT um, I, I couldn't tell you what score I got I think I've uh, erased it from my mind but that was a really good learning experience because uh, I mean from then like from that one score I think um, half my uh, I immediately got rejected from um, two of the universities I was applying for so obviously that was a little bit disheartening. And then um, uh, when it came when it came down to it, um, I was lucky enough to um, uh, get interviews in places at uh, Birmingham and uh, King's King's College London. So um, yeah. So when it came down to it, I think I had to decide: Do I want to leave home? Do I want to stay? And I think on balance, um, uh, loving the city I'm in, home comforts being close to a family during possibly the most stressful years of my, of my life. Um, I ended up choosing Birmingham and it's honestly one of the best decisions um, I made. Like I have no regrets. That, that's good. That's nice to hear. I think there are a lot of things you've just said that I'd like to. Um, of course. Yeah. Draw out, actually. So the UK cat, did you work very hard for that? <clears throat> yeah, so I did. I definitely did work very hard, um, uh, hard for it. There's no denying that, but I think, um, the way these aptitude tests are as such, it's very, 
it'll, um, I think for 17, 18 year olds who are about to apply, it'll be very different from any exam you've done before. Like the common misconception is, oh, it's something you can't revise for. And that's something you often hear because um, it's one of those things that, you know, either you have or you haven't got. And I don't think that's fair to say. I think you can definitely practice. You can definitely revise. There's pr plenty of resources out there, some extortionate ones and some, and a, but a lot of the stuff is free out there. And um, I think, yeah, I think I did, I did do quite a bit of practice, but um, it just, it just really got, uh, it got, came down to nerves. I think, I think the people from what I remember who didn't do so well, I think they panicked a little bit because the test itself is taken um, on a computer. So it's probably the first exam you've done on a computer unless you've done the driving theory test. And it's very, very, very time pressured. I think the way, the way I like to describe it is if you had all the time in the world, I think everybody would do very, very, very well. But a big, big part of it, certainly when I did it, um, that would have been what, 2015, um, it was very time pressured. So I think coping under pressure um, uh, and not panicking, getting your practice in um, all were probably you know contributing factors why I did quite well. What sort of advice would you give for people who, who would prepare for that exam? Um, I think definitely ask um, other people. So um, if you're lucky enough to know someone one, two years older than you who um, has recently done the UK CAT, ask them why um, they did well or why they perhaps didn't do so well because ultimately I think they are going to be the uh, people in the best um, scenario to tell you exactly uh, what to expect because at the end of the day they're the ones who took the exam. I think um, focusing too much on um, uh, you know going uh, going to these expensive courses where you might have people who haven't actually taken the test and taking their word as gospel I think the the advice you get from people who've taken the test themselves is really invaluable and um, above all just you know it's it's got to be something you've just got to block out a good two three four weeks before and just practice every single day I think the good thing about it was um, you can take it in July, August. So you really do have a, a good portion of the summer holidays where you're not really doing anything else, where you can just, you know, focus on the um, uh, the practice. Some of um, some of the people who, who are listening might not know people who sat the exam before. Yes, of course. Yeah. So what sort of advice would you give those people? So advice there. Yeah. So uh, I, I should have said that. Yeah. So I think the, the beauty of the uh, the Internet these days are there's plenty of people out there, um, be it on social media, um, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, there's various widening participation, um, you know, podcasts such as yourself and also um, social media pages with plenty of medical students, doctors reaching out to help. I mean, I mean, for one, if anybody does want to contact myself after this, I'm sure um, Amrit, you'll be more than happy to share my contact details. But um, you don't have to know anyone personally. The great thing about so many medical students, so many doctors, is so many of them want to help others get into their um, into their field. So um, just type in widening participation medicine in Google and you're bound to get plenty of um, doctors, um, medical students on these various social media platforms who you can reach out to. That's great. Yeah, there is loads. There are loads. And importantly, there are a lot of free resources out there as well. Definitely. And there's a lot of pressure to pay for things. And, and if you can, that's great. But if you don't, sorry, if you don't have the money to do that, then 
you know, it's not the end of the world. There is still yeah. really good stuff out there for free. Very important. Yeah, I don't think you don't think you're at a disadvantage because you can't afford to go on a three, four, five hundred pound course. Because at the end of the day, um, I mean, from my personal experience, I'm sure you'll know as well. I'm right. There's plenty of people who've gone on these courses and not done well, and there's plenty of people who've not gone on these courses and done, you know, top top marks. So it's not. It does not dictate whether or not you're going to get a good score. Yeah, that's true. Um, um, Yusuf, why did you want to study medicine? So, yeah, it does feel a bit like a medical school interview all over again when I saw that question. But, um, yeah, so I think why study medicine? So I think what a lot of people and certainly a lot of medical students are um, uh, applying to, well, prospective students applying to medicine end up saying, are, oh, it's um, because I like helping people or because I like science. And they try and, you know, make a a very um, generic um, answer. And to be honest, I'm not doubting that they don't like helping people. They don't like science, but there's plenty of other specialties that involve helping people, plenty of other specialties that involve um, <laughs> liking science. So yes, those are two qualities that it certainly helps for a doctor. But I think the reason as to why you, sh why you do medicine can't be something as simple as that. So for me, um, why I decided to study medicine. Now, I, I hope this gives relief to people um, people applying, but to be honest, I wasn't 100% sure going in. To be honest, I don't even think I was 100% sure when I started first year um, or, or indeed second year. The, the fact that people are able to say, oh, I have an undying passion for medicine before they even start is quite strange to me because at the age of 14, 15, 16, um, how, how are you able to fully know exactly what it's like to be a doctor? Yeah, I don't, I personally don't know what it's like to be a doctor and I'm um, going, hopefully going to be one in a couple of years time. So for you to say you have a passion for medicine, I think you've, you've really got to think, what is it about medicine that you know? And why do you think um, that you are suited to that? So this answer um, is only like, I, I think retrospectively, looking back on um, my past three, four years on why, why I do enjoy it so much. And it's certainly not the answer I probably would have said in an interview, because at that point, like I said, I don't think I knew I wanted to do medicine to that extent. Certainly, it was at the top of a list. And it certainly was something I was very sure I wanted to do. But if I really like pinpointed why, I think I, that only became apparent now and the reason um and it's a it's a variety of reasons i think one of them is definitely the um the kind of person um who i am so i've always enjoyed puzzles i've loved doing puzzles um so puzzles riddles i used to spend hours as a child searching up riddles and quizzes um me and my brother whenever we'd had a we'd have a long car journey he's probably listening actually um this but yeah uh, he'll testify to this whenever we had long car journeys we'd constantly be um sharing riddles sharing quizzes um the nintendo ds games professor layton for whoever knows of those i used to complete them all i, I just loved riddles um and puzzles and um, one funny memory as well, actually, uh, while we're on this topic at school, um, once we had a, um, so I was actually part of the um, cadets back at school. So um, one of the uh, tasks we had to do was where the senior students were giving us a, um, uh, an exercise that they've created. And for whatever reason, they decided to do it on riddles. And um, I actually remember that I answered every single riddle before they even completed finish saying it just because I, I knew them all that that's how addicted I was to this kind of stuff anyway so um this huh. this further stemmed on to um 
uh, like TV shows. So massive fan of Sherlock, psychological thrillers, all that kind of stuff. You know, stuff you've really got to, um, you don't, you've got to constantly think of all the variables. So how does this relate to medicine? Well, um, it, this, to be honest, this only really clicked the uh, past few years, but um, being a med student, being a doctor, your day is filled with puzzles. You have a patient and through a very specific line of questioning to, um, and examination, you're able to know exactly what's wrong with them. There isn't really a way to just, you know, Google the answer. Only a clinician with like, um, or a doctor with years and years of experience is able to um, tell you what's wrong with that patient. You, only they are really able to solve that puzzle. And I, I just think that's amazing, to be honest. Yeah, and it's important to know that sometimes the puzzle isn't a medical condition. Sometimes the puzzle is simply like, why is the patient coming today? Or all yeah. day? And um, there's that human element to it. That's not just science and blood tests and investigating, but also that. Exactly, yeah. So that comes on to the other part, which is the human uh, the human element. So um, I know I, I, I talked a little bit down about, oh, I love helping people, but like that, that you know, it's, it, it's true. That warm feeling you have when you help a patient, when a patient's, you know, in distress, when they're confused, when they're um, asking for your help and you help them, it's just, um, it, it just can't really be described with words. People have just so much respect for doctors because, they're rich, literally their um, patients are there trusting you with their health story, their life story. And it really is a great privilege um, to, to have that opportunity. And so you're in your fourth year doing your fifth year as a, an interclated degree. You're doing a master's in trauma science. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. How, how have you found med school so far? What, what have been the challenges and what have been the highlights? Right. Okay. So, um, I'd say my um, my highlights um, would it's it's very hard to just you know um, pinpoint one or one or two exact highlights. I'd say certainly the people I've met, the other medical students, and um, some of the sessions I've had, particularly um, in hospitals, uh, are definitely the highlights of my medical school. I think one that really stands out to me is um, uh, probably last year in my fourth year was. Um, simulation sessions so for those who don't know what simulation is essentially it's um, role-playing or pretending to act out certain scenarios um, with um, uh, either a dummy patient or um, an actor or actress and um, you know going through a scenario so that several years down the line when that scenario becomes a reality you're able to um, act out um, on it more effectively. Now, obviously, the first few times of us doing this, it would not run as smoothly as we'd liked. And I think it, it's all a learning experience. And we've had a lot of laugh, um, laughs over the, um, the sessions. And it's just, you know, really great memories of um, uh, hospital placements from that. I think the, the other thing as well is just the various society events as well. So um, that's obviously stemming a little bit away from medical school, but the whole university life is just um, constant um, experiences, events, memories. I think they all really stand out to me. That's, that's really cool. And, you know, that, that second part, you know, the, the societies and that life away from actually studying is also like, really important. And that's actually a highlight for a lot of us, actually, when we're in med school. Um, important to, to know what what have been the the challenges you reckon yeah so challenges I think if you ask any med student one of the biggest shocks is definitely the workload so it, the workload is certainly a massive change uh, and the exams are too 
all of a sudden you're going from um, you know GCSEs and A levels through to, uh, or, um, or whatever um, examinations you're doing to medical school exams. And I think the biggest step up was the fact that um, it is near impossible to learn everything. I think um, uh, no doctor and certainly no med student knows everything. Um, uh, if, even even those you know like super geniuses, everyone always has their weakness here or there. Whereas I'd say it's probably um, a good idea to know the entire syllabus for GCSE and A-level. When it comes to medical school, it's all about um, you know changing your approach to, um, to work. Um, I think another challenge as well, kind of stemming on from that, is um, realizing that no, you're no longer in a situation where you're perhaps the cleverest. Because um, if you think about it, everyone came from a primary school where they were probably the cleverest. Everyone came from a secondary school where they were probably one of the cleverest. And if you know you mix them all up together. Um, it's very unlikely that you're also going to be the cleverest of um, this group of people. So I think at times it's a bit um, stressful and a lot of people have um, doubts um, when comparing themselves to others. But I think the sooner you realise that everyone is really on their own journey and it's no, not really a race, it's more of a, um, you know, a, like a journey that you can take at your own pace, that's when you'll like begin enjoying the process. Yeah, that, that's that's really good advice. Uh, it can be a bit of an intimidating place, uh, medical school, and that feeling uh, actually carries on when you're a doctor as well. There is you, there is this undercurrent of I need to get to the end. I need to become a consultant. And uh, so, yeah, just appreciating that you are on your journey and everyone else is on theirs. is That's actually a re really good bit of advice that took me a, a lot longer to realize than than, uh, than it's taken you. <laughs> oh, sure. yeah. No, like, uh, like speak, just speaking to my friends, like I do know uh, there's plenty of people I know who would spend, um, you know, any spare moment in their in their day spending hours and hours revising every single part of their um, exam. And at the end of the day, of course, you know, they would they would do better in exams. But when you ask them about, about their favorite memories over the past few years, they've you realize they've had a, a lot fewer experiences. They've, um, you know, um, not really been able to live. Um, their uh, university life as much as they perhaps would have liked to because you know it's not a case where you need to get a hundred percent on everything now the way medical school is designed like um, for example Birmingham um, but I know other medical schools as well um, the way it's set out if you pass um, that pass mark has been set there for a reason. If you just pass, that doesn't mean you're only just going to become a doctor. It's if you pass, you're comfortably going to be um, and be have the knowledge that the university expects of you. That's why it's a pass mark. So if the pass mark is 50% and you get 60, 70%, don't beat yourself up that you didn't get 100 because the fact is you're still going to be, at the end of the day, have the same amount of knowledge, have the same amount of experience as um, as others, as the other doctors graduating. Yeah, for sure, definitely. Um, yeah, there is a lot of pressure to perform, and uh, yeah, it's it's hard to um, tame that. Hundred <laughs> percent, it definitely is. And um, what uh, you know, what has been for you that it's really hard answering this question I'm going to ask because you don't have anything to compare it to, but what are the good things about Birmingham Medical School? Why would you recommend it to someone? Yeah, yeah. So um, uh, I, d I did have a think about this question as well. So I think the 
main uh, reasons I'd say why Birmingham, certainly in comparison to um, other uh, other of my friends who att who've attended other medical schools. So um, I think one big thing is definitely the location. So um, West Midlands is definitely home to one of the some of the best hospitals in the UK, if not Europe. So I think a lot of people would have heard of the Queen Elizabeth Hospital. So it's internationally recognised. But even some of the lesser known hospitals, um, Walsall, Russell's Hall, New Cross, I could, I could name the world. They're all really good hospitals with lots of great teachers and great opportunities. And the way um, our hospital um, hospital clinical years are structured is everyone rotates so um, I know um, in some other universities perhaps that you're kind of in the same hospital or same two hospitals for your entire three years of um, clinical medical school whereas at Birmingham they really try and um, mix it up so you're at the large tertiary major trauma centers like um, Queen Elizabeth and then other times you're in smaller um, district hospitals I think the location of them is also very good. So most hospitals um, that, that we go to, um, bar uh, I think one or two, are all within a 30, 40 minute drive of the medical school. So I know a lot of other medical schools, um, people are often have to change cities every year to um, attend their placement. So I think we're very lucky at Birmingham that we all kind of get to stay in the same place for the, the full five years. So that I think that's one um, good thing, the hospital placements. Um, as well as that, I think um, one thing that is uh, quite unique for us as well is the fact that we have patient contact right from um, first year. So we have community placements. So these are GP placements, um, usually once every two weeks um, in your first two years. And then these are a great opportunity to obviously meet patients and actually um, learn those people skills, learn those communication skills. It's a nice break from attending lectures. Um, from very early on. So I know a lot of um, other, <laughs> other med schools, I think they, the, the first time they saw a patient was in third year, which was crazy to me. So um, I think that's a very good thing about Birmingham. We also have very good research here. So there's a lot of big studies, a big opportunity, certainly for those people who are, you know, more inclined for the science route because um, Queen Elizabeth Hospital being a major trauma centre, it has, um, you can tell, I, I know quite a bit about the trauma centre because of my uh, master's course, so I'm promoting it from that, but we have a lot of um, research attached with that, so for all those science lovers out there. The course itself, um, it, it's a blended course, so we have some PBL aspects, so that's problem-based learning. Um, we have some more traditional teaching, so it kind of suits all learning styles, and the staff are all really friendly. In term, terms of the uni itself as well, we're a campus uni. Um, I know I'm a bit biased, but it is a beautiful campus. <laughs> Students live very near the campus, so it's all like quite a close community. The med school itself as well, I think um, the year's probably um, four to 450, 400 to 450 students in a year group. So quite a lot bit, um, larger than um, other schools. So there's always gonna be people, you know, with similar interests to you. And I mean, living here, what, 23, 24 years of my life, um, I I've grown obviously to love the city. It's multicultural, great places for shopping, eating out, nightlife, there really is something for everyone. Probably gonna get a lot of hate for this, but I do prefer it a lot to London as well. <laughs> Oh yeah, you will get a lot of hate, even from me. <laughs> no, no, that's fair enough. It's it's actually like London in a lot of ways. In the ways you describe, is quite metropolitan. Lots yeah, of places to be. It is cool. It's a melting pot with lots of different cultures, for yeah. sure. Birmingham Medical School is quite big. 
the year groups are quite large. How have you found that? Yeah, so it, I think one of the uh, one of the funniest aspects is you can. Um, uh, I think even to this day, I can. Um, uh, I, I have my hospital placement in fourth year. I've been in this medical school for four years, and you get put in random groups of five people. And I look at the other four, and I'm like, I've never seen you guys in my life. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I think, I, in some ways, that's 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 beautiful because you know you can still be making friends right right through your way of um, medical school, but. Uh, yeah, I think the large the, the large group means there's always gonna you know there's always gonna be people you'll you'll get on with. There'll be people with similar interests with, to you, be it sport, be it events, be uh, events, be it um, you know obviously further down the line academic interests. There'll always be someone who um, you know is is similar minded to you, and I think that's great you know to have that group of friends to um, essentially li- live your uni life with. And look, you talked about all the positive aspects of, um, sorry, aspects of studying at Birmingham, uh, but a slightly different question: Who would you not recommend the Birmingham course to? Oh, who would I not recommend it to? Interesting. Um, well, I suppose one bit, one big thing is, I suppose, if you're from Birmingham and if you want a little bit of a break, then that's obviously a big reason why you might want to leave. Um, I don't know. I haven't really thought about that question. I, I suppose, yeah, if 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 you if you are intending to go down um, uh, the route of um, going somewhere a bit quieter, going away from a major city, going somewhere a bit more rural, then that might be, um, it, you know, it might be better for you to uh, go somewhere um, else. I think also courses wise as well. So, like I said, our course is a bit of a blended approach, but. If you feel that you're more of a, a traditional type of um, learner in that um, you're, you'd rather learn everything separately. So, for example, um, if you wanted to learn your anatomy, your physiology, all these different subjects separately, then there are more traditional courses um, rather than um, over Birmingham. Because like, like I said earlier, Birmingham's a bit of a blended approach. So what I mean by this is when we do, say, the heart topic, we'll learn you know, um, how the heart works. So that's the physiology. Then we'll learn about the structure of the heart. So that's the anatomy. Then we'll learn about heart drugs. We'll be learning all about all, all of this stuff at the same time. So, um, and I think I think that's the way a lot of unis do it, but there are some out there, um, PBL unis as well, problem-based learning unis, which, you know, um, uh, learn a little bit, you know, differently. And then also stemming on from what we were just speaking about, if you'd prefer to go somewhere a bit more low key as it were, you know, um, only having a hundred students or fewer in your uni, then maybe Birmingham's not right for you as well, because uh, they'll, you will be surrounded by hundreds of people day in, day out. Yeah, yeah, it's a pretty big place, Birmingham, uh, definitely. Uh, and your, your point about PBL and the structure of the course is something I didn't think about when I when looking at universities I think I was just desperate to get in and I would have taken anyone but if you're in the the, uh, enviable position of having more than one offer then I would yeah like you say really recommend looking into the structure of the course because it could really um, not make or break your experience but it can make it a lot easier if it's you're being taught in a way that complements the way you learn or the way you enjoy learning definitely I I think stemming on from that as well like you've also got to remember that um, 
especially I, I I think I could I can say with reasonable confidence at the age of 16 17 18 even then you probably don't a hundred percent even know what type of learner you are so I wouldn't structure your entire decision based on that either like oh I don't want to go to X uni because it's PBL because the fact is all of these universities you're able to learn in some way um by yourself and there will always be help available. So just because somewhere is a PBL uni, don't think, oh, I'm gonna be left in the deep end. No one's gonna be there to support me because I'm sure that's not the case. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And have you ever felt uh, that you've been in the deep end or you've been at Birmingham? And, and if so, how have you overcome that? Yeah, no, uh, for sure. I think I think um, what, what really strikes out to me, probably my um, towards uh, the exam season, for sure, of first year, second year, I think as I was talking a bit about before, it was the fact that there's just so much content, it's near impossible to know it all. So I think what helped me was speaking to students in senior years, so in the year above me, I really, really recommend you talk to someone who's literally just been where you are and, you know, got through the other end for just, you know, a pep talk, some advice, just a little bit of um, uh, mentoring, if, if you would, because at the end of the day, like, you're not going, it, I don't think anyone hand on heart can say they did the entire medical degree by themselves, you know, what I mean by that is you will always have people in your corner to support you, be it um, uh, a partner, be it um, friends, be it your family, um, and then obviously the staff and the um, doctors and your mentors, it's all a combined effort when you go through to graduation at the end it's not you just graduating I'd like to think you know it's about a hundred people around you who got you there that are graduating with you yeah for, for sure for sure um can I ask you were also on the interview panel for Birmingham Medical School quite recently what was that experience like yeah, so um, yeah, so last year I was the representative for the MMI station. So essentially what this meant was um, MMI, for those who don't know, is um, multiple uh, mini interviews. It's the um, method of interviews that I think most medical schools use. Um, now, I think th there's all this advice is available online for you to uh, search up on. But uh, essentially, yeah, I was lucky enough to organize um, the students onto one of the stations. So obviously, as I'm sure you can understand, I'm, I'm not going to be able to talk about the intricacies and details of the station, but um, it was a communication station and um, essentially assessing how well the candidates could react in a situation. So, um, yeah, it was it was honestly such a great privilege to be able to see um, students applying to medicine. It honestly feels like yesterday I was in their situation and, you know, being on the other side of the table is just a, re a really great privilege. Yeah, I think it's quite a unique experience. Um, having been on the other side of the table now, what sort of advice would you give to someone who is lucky enough to get to interview? Or not lucky enough, everyone works hard to get there. What yeah. advice would you give to someone who, who gets to interview? Yeah, so, yeah, I, I think confidence is a, big, is a big factor. I think confidence is key because... Um, the the way medicine the way medicine um, works as well is no, you don't have to know the right answer a hundred percent of the time if you can communicate well if you can show empathy when you're talking if you can show understanding when you're talking in a scenario when you're um, confident when you speak to others all these things really project well and really come across well at interview 
if you're someone who perhaps um, is a little bit more shy, a bit more timid, and um, you're not really sure of yourself when you say your answers, I think that's definitely something that it's possible to work on. And um, focusing, um, you know, practicing those answers out aloud to um, be it a, um, a sibling, be it your parents, be it a teacher at school, you know, just practicing um, public speaking, I think it will be, really be beneficial. I mean, from a personal experience, I think, um, I don't know if this will surprise people, but because um, uh, I've always thrown myself in there, but like, um, I, I honestly have a fear of public speaking, like just, um, uh, being at the front of a lecture hall, being at the front of a um, any group, uh, like a large group of people, like, you know, heart palpitations, uh, I go sweaty. It's just not a really ideal situation. But like time and time again, I think I've put myself in that situation because ultimately there have been plenty of scenarios where you have to go up there. So ultimately, if you get used to it, you'll find it will really um, put you in good stead just for... Um, for everything really I can't um recommend public speaking enough it I think um if I hadn't if I hadn't done stuff like that I probably wouldn't have agreed to come on this podcast with you Amrit um <laughs> or, or or indeed like uh gone for any of the um roles that I've done at, uh, uh, at uni or any of that kind of stuff so I think yeah really throwing yourself out of your comfort zone and um doing stuff that you're perhaps not too comfortable with to uh, get a bit more confident I think it's, it's only going to put yourself in um good stead yeah, I think that's that's really good advice. What what advice would you give to someone who is right at the beginning of their medical school application process? If you could go back, would you do anything differently? And if so, what would that what what would it be? Yeah, so um, I think we'll obviously have to tailor this to um, uh, different um, people in different situations. So um, assuming I think the majority of people will probably be in a scenario whereby they haven't applied to medicine before. They'll be at that 17, 18 year old age and um, they, they, they know very little about the application process. So for those people, I think visiting university websites, first and foremost, should be um, your, your, your key um, starting point. I think um, there there must be there's plenty of lists out there of every single medical school in the UK, and just working your way through them. Yeah, um, finding the ones that you do want to, um, you definitely would consider going to, and then um, then picking the ones that you perhaps wouldn't want to go to. Once you have a list of these are the ones I would, these are the ones I won't, then you can start going onto the websites individually and start looking at exactly how. Um, your application stands. So medical school applications are a very complicated and long thing, and they're very different from uni to uni. So some, like like I said earlier, some unis will look at the UK CAP, some unis will look at the BMAT. As a reminder, those are two um, aptitude or um, entrance tests. Some universities will um, really focus on your personal statement, which essentially is um, about an A4 page, um, about five, six paragraphs of you talking about your experiences other unis won't some unis will look at your GCSEs other unis won't so I think in an ideal world um everyone's you're going to want you know all I think they call they call them nines now but all A stars full marks in your GCSEs full marks in your UK cut that would be an ideal world but let, let's face it we don't live in an ideal world so if you perhaps didn't do too well in your GCSEs but you did do well in the UK cut then you can choose the universities that um, favour that. Whereas if you perhaps did really well in your GCSEs, but less well on UK, UK CAT, then go for the unis um, that uh, I think, you know, focus on that instead. 
Yeah, that's really good advice. I think, um, yeah, pure focus on where you're applying to and then channeling that focus based on that is, is, is key to, um, to getting being successful or part of being successful, I should say. Um, yeah. So I just want to focus on a little bit more about on your experience. So you're doing a master's while at medical school, which is reasonably unique, I would say. Uh, what's that been like? Yeah, so um, I'm currently doing a master's and it's classed as an intercalation. So what an intercalation is, is where you take some time out of your medical school degree, uh, medical school degree to essentially do another degree. So this is for the vast majority of people, just one year, although there are some people, um, some of my friends actually doing a PhD. So they take four years out of their medical degree to do that. But um, it kind of gives you a break away from medicine to really um, become a little bit of an expert on one smaller aspect of the course. So medicine, as I'm sure um, you guys all know, is everything from the you know top of your head to the toes down below. You've got to do, you've got to know everything, but you're not really going to be an expert on any any of those things until you know further down the line when you decide to specialize into a certain type of doctor. So the good thing about intercalation is you're able to really focus on one aspect of the course that would interest you. So, for example, once uh, um, uh, if you if you're really interested in, say, um, psychiatry and mental illness, then you could do um, a degree in mental illness or you could do a degree in um, neuroscience. So um, I'm quite interested in surgery, particularly um, trauma surgery. So I decided to take the um, uh, master's um, in trauma science. So essentially what this uh, degree um, has taught me, I guess, is really a lot about um, research, a lot about independent learning. I think the biggest difference between this and med school is med school is very much um, the university telling you what to learn, um, showing you how to learn it. And it's, it's, it's almost spoon fed in a way. Um, obviously, there's a lot of independent learning, but I think this whole master's course has really um, shown me that this this is what it's like to be an independent learner. I think I feel like um, I'm really going out of my way to um, uh, teach myself, um, understand the, uh, the content myself. And I think it's, it's really um, developed me professionally and enhanced uh, my research skill. Uh, in terms of what it's like on a day to day, I'm not going to lie, it's quite lonely. <laughs> so I, I think I'm, I think I'm a very extroverted person. I love seeing people every day. Medical school was great. Obviously, you'd go in, you'd have 20, 30 of your friends around you. Um, even in hospitals, you'd go to the hospital common room, you'd have 15, 20 med students around you. And I think because of COVID, um, my medical, my, my um, intercalation course has all been online. So I actually only see the other guys um, for an hour on a Thursday, the other six days. I'm kind of left to my own devices so I think I'd go a bit mad if I wasn't living at home with my family but um there's that yeah but I, I think that that's a bit of a one-off though I, I imagine from next year the course will go back to in person and you'll have a bit more contact hours but yeah I'd say that's my take on my master's year so far oh that's um a lot of autonomy you get in that time as well that's um I found whenever I get a lot of autonomy like that it's great at first and then you realize actually it's a challenge in itself because then uh, you have to yeah. be focused and manage your time very, sure. very well. I think you feel like you need to be, yeah, yeah. I, th I was going to say, I think you feel like um, you, you feel like you need to be productive at all moments of time. But I think I've realized, it, you know what, like next year is my final year of medicine. I'll be doing a lot of work then. I think I can afford to watch that Netflix series at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> You're fair enough. Yeah, fair. Um, Right, uh, and so that's your masters. What have you been able to get up to outside of med school? 
yeah so um outside of medicine um I am a big fan of my, my sports and, um, and bodybuilding and whatnot. So I've been doing a lot of gym, um, football, badminton. Um, uh, I've, uh, I think for the past three, four years, I've been doing Muay Thai boxing as well. So Thai boxing. Oh, cool. um, so yeah, I, 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 I do like my sports. Um, it makes me sound like some kind of athlete though. Like um, I really am not good <laughs> at most of those. It's, I just do it for the fun really. Um, yeah. Uh, other than that, though, I think I've been doing quite a lot of tutoring as well. So um, I tutor students in um, GCSEs uh, and A-levels for biology and science and whatnot. Um, I love teaching, being able to, um, I mean, Dr. Means teacher. So being able to, um, you know, teach other people something that you understand. I think it's a very valuable um, skill, both as a medical student and future doctor. So I think it's definitely helped me in that aspect. Um, it's also a great break from, um, you know, medicine, you know, being able to do something a little bit more uh, laid back. I, I do have a lot of fun, you know, like fun joke around with my students. I, I really do enjoy teaching. Um, and then obviously the financial aspect of it as well is really, really great. I think especially these pa uh, this past year or um, two, I've taken a bit more of an interest in like financial planning um, and whatnot. And I think tutoring is a great source of income for um, a lot of medical students um, who, um, you know, I'm lucky enough to say that um, my parents are obviously living at home. My parents are able to support me a lot. But I know a lot of me medical students are not in that um, situation and a lot of them have to get part-time jobs in order to fund their um, degree and rent and uni life and whatnot so uh, I definitely recommend looking into um, tutoring for anyone thinking that um, they might not be able to afford being a medical student. Yeah I think that plays on a lot of people's minds is um, financially how they might be able to cope so yeah tutoring is a very good option for people. Uh, is this often a bit of a myth that when you're at medical school you don't get time to do those sorts of things you've just described because it's just so full on and intense. Um, so it sounds like you've been able to strike a very good work-life balance. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think it's definitely fair to say. Like at the end of the day, it's, um, it's as much work as you make it. So if you do have lectures nine till five, it's very unlikely they're going to be solid nine till five. Often you have half days, often you have a one, two lectures here, you know, three uh, and then three, four lectures there. Some days you might get a day off. And I think just working your way around it and not wasting your time um, uh, and trying to do something productive, um, be it, you know, anything from like a gym or, or I'd even class, you know, going out with friends as something productive because, you know, it's, it's a memory, it's an experience. So I think it's, 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 a, it's easier to um, plan around um, lengthy timetables than you might think and I think at medical school you're certainly going to have a lot more free time than when you become a junior doctor so I'd say take advantage of it now. You've already given enough advice uh, to someone who would like to study medicine is there anything we haven't covered that you think would be useful? Yeah so I think I was going to um, address um, a couple of myths so I think one, one, of the, uh, one of the myths as well, I, I think it comes on to the fact that I think some of your listeners perhaps um, have already applied to medicine and they perhaps weren't um, very successful. And they're either um, uh, taking a year out, doing a gap year or doing another degree with the hope to transfer to medicine later. I think um, the fact that you might think that you need full marks in your A-levels, but that's not always the case because 
there's always another opportunity to retake exams if you've not done well previously. You might think, oh, I have to start when I'm 18. But people on my course for anywhere from 18, 19 through till, you know, 28, 29 when they begin. It's like, like I was saying earlier, it's not, it's, not, it's not a race. It really is a journey that you can take at your own pace. And the graduate route, I think, is a, is, is a possibility and a great advantage. So um, uh, I know some unis are graduate only. Birmingham is um, a mix. So the graduate students join us in third year. And um, in my opinion, they are leaps and bounds ahead of us in knowledge, work ethic, maturity. I think there's a reason that they make uh, medicine a postgraduate course in other parts of the world, like um, yeah, the US. Because, uh, so I really don't, um, don't think you're at a disadvantage if you didn't get in when you're 18 and you didn't get in after your gap year. Um, and if you're doing another de um, degree at the moment, be it um, pharmacy, pharmacology, uh, biomed, whatever, I think everyone has a good chance of being a doctor. And I think in some ways you're going to be more prepared for being uh, for life as a doctor if you go via one of those routes rather than the typical, oh, I, I went straight to medical school at 18 approach. Yeah, fair. That, that is good advice. And yeah, I'm a graduate as well. And I wasn't anywhere near as mature as you are right now. So I don't, I don't think I'd been able to study at 18, 19 uh, medicine. I don't think I would have done well at all. Any other myths you want to address? Um, no, no, I think I said, no, I think I said, I think that was the main one. I think I've pretty much said everything yeah, I wanted to say. Cool. Thank you very much. I mean, it, yeah. thank you so much, Amrit, for having me on. Like, I've really, <laughs> I've actually really enjoyed this. Me too. It's been really interesting. And um what i'll do is if you're happy i'll leave your twitter account in the show notes so yeah please if anyone do. wants to reach out to you they they can so that was our podcast with yusuf talking about his experience at birmingham medical school i hope that was useful and you got some insight into what it's like to study at birmingham and also some really good advice from yusuf about how best to approach applications i think one of the key take-homes for me with my chat with yusuf was the idea that everyone's on their own path and you shouldn't compare yourself to others and other people's timelines. So if you don't get in first time, don't worry, uh, keep going. Um, things will work out for you eventually if, you, if you, you're trying the right things and working hard. As ever, if you have any feedback or you've got, have any questions, please reach out to me via Instagram or email. And if you, there's anyone that you want us to talk to that we haven't spoken to yet, please do let me know and I'll try and arrange that. 